The Tea Health Show, the medical lifestyle show. I'm Dr. Mark, and yes, this is the Tea Health Show in studio. Our usual producer, Simpiwe, and then um, my special guest today, Stacey Holland. Stacey, good morning. So good to be back. So, um, in the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about sexual function, but you know what? Um, with you working with us in the tea clinic as our gut coach, mm. one of the topics that came up actually from our Cliff Central listeners was something that's quite pervasive in society, and that is brain fog. Oh, yeah. So, Simpiwe, what's brain fog? Um, it sounds self-explanatory. Yeah, eh? <laughs> what just happened? Well, I'm not too sure what to say. That's and a good way. Actually, you kind of like just freeze, and you're thinking something, but it's not connecting with yes. your mouth, and you just like, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. Basically. It's it's basically a constellation. If you want to think about it, yeah. a constellation of symptoms, and the majority of them have to do with cognition. Mm. So reduced cognition. Um, an inability to concentrate or mm. a reduced ability to concentrate, mm. Mm. Um, an inability to multitask. And I think this is why women so often say that I have brain fog is that they're finding they it to, yeah. something that came very naturally to them mm. um, in multitasking becoming quite difficult. And this is what I'm, I'm seeing so, so much in my office yeah. is a loss of short as well as long-term memory. And it's exactly that. That, yes. Um, yeah. You know, what's that guy's name again? I, I just what's asked the word some again? Pe- I, I just finding, asked some people, yeah. how does this thing end? <laughs> so, you know, it, it's, it's... Been it's, doing this for so long, but all of a sudden... It's that, that you mm. deal with every day. It's there. It's just... Oh my God, how do I access it? How does my brain access it? And that's it? what it feels like, actually. I remember doing a show on this when, you know, I was still doing real health and people would say, it feels as if I know the word is there. It's almost as if I can see it, but there's a disconnect between actually bringing yeah. it into consciousness. Yeah. And I interviewed a German health professional once and she said in, in German, the description or the word, or whatever it is, is a cloud Descending on your consciousness. Well, Stacey, it's it's interesting that you say that because brain fog makes you feel like you lost in a maze. Yes, you know yes. you you're looking and searching, and it's and, and, and this happens in yeah. milliseconds, seconds, minutes. Yeah, but you know, it, firstly, it makes you feel slightly confused. Mm. Um, it makes you feel frustrated. I get frustrated when I can't yeah. get onto a name. Yeah. It makes us feel, I would say, disorientated exactly. almost. Especially on your, like, depending on your personality, that frustration, that disorientation can be prolonged after that moment of brain yes, fog. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? It has such an Im- a, a incredible role that it plays on our emotional yes. well-being. Yeah. And, um, we would have been joined by our neurotherapist, Yvonne van Beek, um, who couldn't make it this morning. Vonnie, um, a champagne cork works well. <laughs> you can't swallow it and you can't spit it out. You know, it shoved all the kids' asses. It works well. So, um, I, it's brain fog is something that impacts mm. mental health. 
um, and certain mental health conditions, mm. but it can also be triggered by mental health. So, Stace, um, let's start. Mm. I think Brain fog yeah. is a layman's term for mental fatigue. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, it's it's a syndrome. It's there's more than one presentation of symptoms, and and they don't often fit nice and neatly into any particular box and that's why it's just brain fog but i think what's concerning again given the fact that we've come out of a 18th 18 month plus panorati <laughs> i hate using the pandemic word but stress low level stress um, mental fatigue Low level anxiety Whether you've been diagnosed with anxiety Whether you know that you suffer from anxiety All of us have some degree of anxiety depression mm. And so that's understandable That many of us will be facing And experiencing brain fog But I think what is slightly concerning about it And where maybe we perhaps underestimate it Is how we're seeing a rise in dementia And we know that cognitive decline in dementia Is often caught too late Well this is I, I, You've touched on something That I want to circle around to mm. um, Brain fog or mental fatigue Is a spectrum mm. uh, As yes. we said Of symptoms But most of these Symptoms is in the Autistic spectrum yeah. So you know what Now suddenly we in the realm of autism mm. People that don't speak People that don't mm. communicate Etc, etc um, It's 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 associated with things like Chronic fatigue yeah. Fibromyalgia yeah. Chronic pain Yeah Minimal cognitive impairment, and this for me hmm. is is a, a baddie. Um, mental fatigue or mental dysfunction, hmm. brain fog, can be one of the earliest signs of Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. disease. Yep, and and you know, so that's why I say it concerns because if it concerns me if we're only diagnosing. Patients with Alzheimer's and dementia, you know, when really there isn't much to do anymore. Yeah. If those patients were aware of these symptoms, these brain fog symptoms much earlier, there's a lot that we can do. I, I actually want to say, I don't think it's just being uh, aware of these symptoms, acknowledging, acknowledging these symptoms is, is and seeking important. help for them. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, it is an inflammatory condition. Mm. Brain fog is caused by Inflammation, and we can actually go and look for mm. inflammatory cytokines yep. um, in the brain. Now, so if anyone has known has has learned anything from COVID, it's about the cytokine storm. storm. Mm. So, Stace, would you want to explain a little more about what a cytokine is? Well, I mean, I think it's important for us to take one step back and maybe differentiate between. Um, Acute and chronic inflammation And that inflammation in and of itself Is not a bad thing 
because we're hearing inflammation, inflammation, and yes, we're measuring for these markers in our blood that indicate that there is the presence of inflammation in the body, the cytokines, and the number of cytokines. But what we're experiencing with the cytokine storm, for example, is post-COVID, whether you have had mild or serious symptoms, many people are experiencing an increase or presentation of inflammatory conditions linked to autoimmune conditions as well. Absolutely. And the presentation of symptoms is particularly bad. (laughs) I had that. The the cytokine storm that I experienced resulted in severe um, eczema from my head to my toes. Some people may have, you have mild asthma and then all of a sudden your chest is closing up, you back onto your pump or your your dosages have increased. Um, Pain like fibromyalgia, systemic pain in the joints and in the body. Many people have said, I've never experienced arthritis. All of a sudden my joints Mm. are inflamed. So that's what we can um, ascertain from experiencing a cytokine storm. These cytokines are not ever absent in our body. They're there as markers to let us know that the body is dealing with something and that if it's in a short period of time, it's not necessarily a bad thing and particularly when there's infection. Yeah. The long-term effects and, and you know what, let's, let's take a look at them. Something like celiac disease. Yes. Yeah. Explain a little bit about celiac disease. So celiac disease, you know, it's so funny that you ask that question now because many people are just just gluten intolerant and don't necessarily have celiac disease. So what is the difference? So I would, the best way to explain it would be one is where a minuscule amount without getting too technical. One is where a minuscule amount of gluten hidden or known affects the digestive tract to the point where disease starts um, setting in and symptoms are experienced immediately. That's when I look pregnant. I would even, you can still tolerate, you can have a whiskey. If you had celiac disease, you would not be able to have your whiskey. Mm. You would not be able to have uh, a sauce with gluten in it. Mm. You would not be able, and you know, many, many sources have hidden gluten. You would not be able to have a soup with a thickener in it if you had celiac disease. Um, Gluten intolerance is you know, where you start entering into, um, I feel bloated, I feel uncomfortable. Um, not look pregnant. Noting that you have diverticulitis and there's a difference between having diverticulosis and diverticulitis. Mm. Um, with you, the disease has started setting in. There are symptoms that are present. Diverticulosis, those polyps or sacs that form on the colon are present, but they're not causing any pain. Mm. Um, And I think, you know, we can go into the technical details, but it's important to note that we're experiencing more and more people are experiencing these crossover symptoms. They're absolutely maybe being diagnosed with celiac, but then later on it's changed to diverticulitis. And then someone says, no, you've got SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And this is what we spoke about in our previous um, conversation that you and I had about the gut. Um, Simpiwa, you were, you were in that session yeah, where, where we reminded people where actually we didn't remind people we we told people that the organisms that live in your gut now mm. Sassy, there's a variety of them from bacteria to viruses to fungi yeah. to yeasts yeah. to parasites all of them incredibly beneficial yeah. or 
most of them beneficial and not just beneficial, but crucial for our survival. Yes, even if they're not noted and studied as being beneficial. So we know that they're pathogenic. We know that they are opportunistic. So opportunistic being they have the potential to cause disease. Pathogenic meaning they definitely can cause disease when they're in larger numbers. But even though we know that um, pathogenic and opportunistic bacteria are technically the bad guys, we still need them in our system. They we still, absolutely yeah, they still do. fulfill a role in and our system. You know what, just for your, those who didn't listen, um, a little bit, I like throwing in stupid trivia. You know what, <laughs> you need to know what it's like to live in my brain. Um, so the combined weight of organisms in your gut. Oh, he loves this one because it is so fascinating. <laughs> weighs the same as your brain, one and a half kilograms of microorganisms mm. live in your gut. These, uh, there are more. What? Wait. She's like, like hold just, up. Wait please. a minute. What do is you, going on do, here? I'm, I'm going to tell you. At, in fact, uh, I think some people, it goes up to 2.3 kilograms. Wait, what? 2.3. It weighs as much as your brain. Now, the interesting thing is. Yeah. There are more Organisms that live in the gut, then you have yep. cells in your entire body. body. So you have more bacteria, yeasts, fungi, viruses that live inside you than you are human. All of yep. these I think have some, yep, a, some people can have up to Plus two kgs, but I, we haven't seen those type of people in a very long time. Traditional um, communities, yes, that actually live of uh, the land. Yes, yeah, yeah fermented so, foods. Yeah, um, it's 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 scary. Now, I'm going to tell you what happened with me. Okay. So, as Stacy said, I have a condition. It's an inflammatory bowel condition. So, it's not IBS like most people will know it or spastic colon. I have something that's a little bit more inflammatory and a little bit more advanced and it's called diverticulitis. Now, there's a couple of... Um, um, Inflammatory bowel conditions mm. uh, Some of them really bad Some of them autoimmune conditions um, But mine Is triggered through Guess what Stress mm. and diet Now combine the two With one another and That's an it's explosion a, Waiting to happen Basically, Not waiting to happen happening. Which does happen <laughs> don't you um, think And most... don't eat beets And have <laughs> wait for that explosion to happen Because you actually think That my kidneys just exploded Or something Don't you think that all these Inflammatory bowel diseases and conditions Have an auto underlying autoimmune Yeah I do trigger. think that. You yeah. know I know some or, are Or they actually cause an autoimmune, auto-immune condition yes, yes. And they feed off one another In fact coming back to your celiac that's exactly what it would be is that sensitivity to gluten is an autoimmune response yeah um 
And that's why you would see crossovers, like you've mentioned, with IBD. And many people will say, okay, I first got diagnosed with diverticulitis. Now I'm struggling with something else. Then I have skin allergies. And then my sinuses. Thyroid conditions, which leads to simple autoimmune conditions has an increased risk of you developing things like Hmm. Parkinson's dementia and Alzheimer's. Yeah. So when, when were you diagnosed? I was diagnosed about four years ago. I was, I, I was standing in my practice on a uh, Wednesday afternoon and I thought, Oh, yummy. Tonight's sushi night. For those of you who don't know, Nickel Way, um, has a, a pick and pay that on Wednesdays, um, at Time Cafe, half-price sushi and it was some of the best sushi in town so I would walk in wave at my favorite (laughs) waiter go do my shopping and when I come back my sushi was waiting for me and I'd sat down and had sushi and a glass of gin so um two glasses of gin (laughs) (laughs) you saw the look (laughs) um and the next morning I was standing in my practice and Stacey, you've met Ali and I was saying to Ali, sure, I'm uncomfortable. And I thought to myself, you know what? I've, I've for many years have symptoms of irritable bowel disease. Not, you know, it's just, mm, I'm a little bit bloated and I'm slightly mm. sore in my lower abdomen, mm. but nothing serious. And then it became localized to my left groin area and I worked the next day but at the end of the day I couldn't stand up and I thought to myself oh my god what is this and I I, that Saturday was working and as I walked into the office and I saw my first patient I actually walked out and I said to Alice you need to get me um, an appointment for a sonar or a CT scan now because something is up and I went and um uh, in the afternoon, it was the Saturday afternoon, it was the first available opportunity that they had at the radiologists and um, did the sonar, immediately identified it, did the CT scan, saw that we were diverticles. And, and were, um, they, were they quite a lot or at what point, you know, did they catch this? Was it, you know, something that you clearly had been dealing with for quite a while? It's something that I've been dealing with with a while. But... Prior to this, I was on antibiotics mm. as a practitioner that doctors make terrible patients. <laughs> um, um, just trying to cope with uh, yet another sinus infection. Ah. Um, so I was on 10 days of antibiotics. Jeez, yeah. Um, and from there... But that was know, the open window. It was there it. before, but that was now the open yeah. window. Yeah. So antibiotics yeah. changed my gut for worse. Mm-hmm. Definitely not for the better. Mm-hmm. To the point where... And this is what happened last... Or t- two weeks ago, where... Um, I, I had a bout of an inflammatory um, diverticulitis, and then I developed a sinusitis on top of that. Mm. Um, 
Stace, you and I tried to treat my gut, and one of the things that we did is we went on to glutarase yeah. to try and which is um, an enzyme that helps break down break gluten. down the gluten. And I cut mm. all the gluten out of my diet, and we went on to a new product called Rifaximin yeah. that's used by our functional medicines uh, guys to treat inflammatory conditions or uh, overgrowth of yeah. bacteria and, and in specifically the gut. in the small intestine. And yeah. that just was horrible Killed for me. you. Yeah. Um, I couldn't complete the course because the course is 42 days. I yeah. came to day five. Yeah. And I, my, my absolute sympathy to all women that ever have to deal with fresh. Um, because yep. I could use a corn husk. Um, yeah. every time that I had to go, go to, to the, the bathroom. bathroom, it was, it was burning. It was itching. Mm. I had a, Terrible diarrhea, um, and I had to stop the medication. Now I had to go on to antibiotics mm-hmm. without any probiotics because mm-hmm. the probiotics it just made this condition worse. Yeah. So you know it. Um, and it's interesting. And there that are you so say many that. people that deal with, with this, this, and this is why yeah. we're having this it's discussion. It's such an important point that you just mentioned. The probiotics can potentially make things worse because as probiotics became a new trendy word, it's popular. It's a new supplement, and everyone was like, "Oh, the gut, gut health is so important." And now there are all these probiotic supplements on the market. What we always forget is that again, our gut profile, our microbial profile, is as unique as your fingerprint. More unique. More unique than your fingerprint. So now you go and buy something, whether it's doctor prescribed, off the shelf, whatever the situation is, without knowing what that profile is. And if there is a beneficial or even opportunistic strain that is causing your particular set of symptoms and you mismatch that with a probiotic where you know, it's a gain in billions of units. You make the matter worse, no. not better. And it's a hit and miss approach for many people. Yes. And you know, but I come to, I came to you in desperation, feeling crap and crapping myself. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> you laugh. It's so it's embarrassing. Horrible. It's horrible. Um, because you, I yeah. had absolutely no bowel control. Yeah. Yeah. But no. That, that was a bit scary because, you know, Without dashing or, you know, criticizing Rifaximin, I've heard some really great stories, but I've also, like yours, I've heard some really scary stories. And just to let people know, it's not necessarily an antibiotic, it's a eubiotic. It's meant to help with that balance or harmony within the gut. But your... Don't take it when you have an active condition. condition. And your, your story again points to this uniqueness and that medication and supplementation before getting your diet right, before getting your nutrition right is never a good idea. So let's go into that. Um, you know what? Uh, I want I want to spend five minutes on how we treated this, and mm. then you mm. know, let's go back to the brain fog. The only way that I treated this was to go on to Stacy's bone broth. <laughs> Um, you know, but there are ways of making it better, but we'll talk about the bone broth now yeah. and green juice. Yeah. Um, I couldn't eat anything. I had to stop all my medication. And when I say mm. all my medication, the only stuff that I took was my prescription medication. Mm. I stopped all my vitamins. I stopped all my minerals. I stopped all my supplementation. Mm. Um, and I literally... 
I don't want to say sweated out because I didn't sweat. I pooed it out. Um, and over time, it took about a week yeah. of being hungry, being grumpy, being irritable. Um, and that's because you, you work in a somewhat elevated stress environment. You don't have the opportunity to just chill at home while you're doing something that is somewhat detoxifying. Um, and... You know, but staying on clear fluids that mm. helped me to just get some form of gut integrity yep. back. Um, something that happens with an inflammatory bowel condition is the spaces between the individual cells. And yeah, Stacey, the you know this, yeah. um, know this much better than I do, open up. Mm. And all these toxins, all these organisms that's supposed to be in the gut in mm. an acidic env- environment mm. start leaching out into the tissue yeah. and from the tissue directly into the bloodstream. Yep. And that affected my brain dramatically. Which is br- circles comes back to, to the, brain the brain fog. Because you meant to have, the, as you mentioned, these tight junctions um, within the intestinal wall so that what is meant to be in the lumen, the inner um, space of the of the digestive tract that is hole meant to stay. Yeah, the to hole. It's supposed to stay in there. Stress opens up those tight junctions. Absolutely. Um, you could actually have a physical item. So food that we eat, toxins in the food that we eat, and the, the wall is not as strong it's, and it starts becoming permeable. It's a little bit weaker. And maybe those tight junctions are closed, but they're weak. And then you consume something like gluten if you're not mm. meant to, um, or corn, for example, especially GMO grains. And they make their way. They push their way through. And then you... And then also the microbes, the pathogenic opportunistic microbes. As you feed them what they yeah. love to eat, which is sugar, yeah. grains, dairy, they grow in size and literally start spreading in and through the wall of your intestines. And this is very interesting. Have some peewee, have you ever seen what fungal hyphae looks like? Can we just backtrack? What is that? <laughs> Before it's I like okay. out of a science fiction movie. What in the world so, is that? Um, if we look at the rainforest. Yeah, good example. Mm. The amount of fungus okay, mm-hmm. that is on the forest floor not only helps the forest to... Um, get nutrients out of a falling leaves because the soil is poor. The water washes it away. Mm. So, and this is it. Uh, when, when your gut is not healthy, you know what? You either have constipation or diarrhea. Yeah. And sometimes that can alternate between Absolutely. Them I had both of them. Yeah. Um, that diarrhea just washes away Anything that's there. Mm. So these fungus is not only on the leaves, but it goes into the ground. Mm. And more so, it connects every single tree to each with other. every single other tree. Mm. And if one of these becomes poisonous, or if there's a break in that connection, 
the connection between the different trees are gone. Trees mm. speak to one another yeah. through, like our gut and our organs, yeah. speak to each other through neurotransmitters, through the system, chemical yeah. messengers. Mm. And if there's a breakdown in that, it's a disaster. And also, as these hyphae extend, what it's technically doing is extending the colony. Yes, it makes it one big, big organism. Yes, exactly. Um, we think of 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 ants, mm. for instance, mm. individual ants, but they think with one brain. Mm. Okay, there's one goal, and you know, think of a colony of army ants. If you don't know what army ants are, Google them. It's scary. Um, <laughs> And you know it. Oh, it's like a human, uh, human uh, city. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Everyone has a role to play. If you do not have refuse removal, that city will come to a standstill. Mm. If you do not have water supply, mm. the city will come to a standstill. Mm. If you do not have food, it will come to a standstill. Mm. But all the different parts of a city are connected through one another, and there's three bloody big connections in the body. The brain, the gut, and hormones. The so, endocrine system, and yeah. this is what we're going to talk about. So, what's in this interesting next with session. your particular scenario as well is many, many people have been treated for diverticulitis with high fiber diets. And with fiber anti- is sometimes yeah, the, worst. the worst. I couldn't do fiber ever, yes. at all. I, and that's what I, I find with clients. You know, yes, there are some clients where increasing fiber really helps them. It's usually when, you know, constipation is a bit tricky, but normally that's, you know, including some good fats for them. But so many clients, in fact, one of my clients from years ago, she had Crohn's disease and she was like, no, she doesn't have an issue with fiber. Her doctors told her she needs to stay on fiber and her symptoms started getting worse and worse and worse. When we took her off the fiber, it was the first like a measure of relief she had experienced in years because she was on antibiotics, she was on anti-inflammatory, she was on anti-spasmodics and this high fiber diet. So there wasn't an, a chance for the intestinal lining to get healed to get replenished, for that integrity to come back, as you mentioned. That's what the bone broth did. It's rich in the minerals that you would have taken out in a supplemental extract form, but there's a synergy in food that we eat that will never really understand its mother nature's wisdom. There's, you know, if it's the best quality food that we can find, there's this unique synergy between minerals, micronutrients, macronutrients, lipids, and that came into your system. It's very rich in gelatin, collagen, and Started healing the lining Absolutely. of that of your intestine and bringing down that inflammation, closing those tight junctions, and providing you with some sustenance, but that's no, actually, easily digestible. Now, now I have my bone broth because if you do it correctly, yeah. it actually tastes like gravy. Yes. Yes, um, and gravy can taste all sorts it's of yellow. So awesome. it's, it's actually awesome. it's, it's so salty. nourishing. I can't it's, yeah. it's hard it's, to explain. Uh, to you people. know what? At, mm. I would rather have my bone broth than chips. Mm. Uh, that takes a lot. Now so. I'm I'm at the stage where I would rather have my bone broth than coffee, and I was a coffee addict, a proper coffee. One addict. of the things that I had to cut out completely yeah. was I'm not a big coffee drinker, so. Uh, Stefan is So Stefan has two cups of coffee in the morning And then I started drinking an espresso mm. To the point where I actually bought an espresso machine <laughs> So um, And I had to stop 
all of that. You know why? Because coffee is an ag- ag- aggravating for the gut. Yeah. It's, it's it's not just stimulating. Now but I it's know. Aggravating. Yeah. It's the stimulating part for mm. someone who has a good gut. Yes. And aggravating for someone that has a compromised gut. And remember, you may have a compromised gut now, and we have what six plus meters of intestinal wall, right? But it takes time to replenish that and change it. But I mean, it's one of the areas with the fastest cell turnover. So if people yeah. actually just dedicated themselves to healing their gut. It took me two weeks. Um, not even. It took yeah. me about a week yeah. to become, okay, fine. I, I can, can tie my yeah. shoes again yeah. uh, because it was so bad I couldn't bend down to tie my shoe. Mm. And you know what? I'm not a big guy. Mm. Um, actually... I'm quite svelte. <laughs> you are. You are. <laughs> okay, so what are the common causes of brain fog? Yep. Some peewee? Well, food, I guess. <laughs> yeah, diet. It's but I, I, first I, choice, uh, yeah. What else? Food, stress, um, and those would be like my two. <laughs> okay, so these two big ones and one major one that we're missing. So, the major one, and Stacey, this is something that we're going to talk about in another program, and this is when we'll bring Yvonne mm. back in. Yvonne, again, five people, three <laughs> toilets. Some of them have to go outside. Um, and She's just please, fine. <laughs> yeah, please, can you put some extra chlorine in the pool? So, um, <laughs> you laugh. <laughs> Did you see children being thrown into a pool? Okay. So, um, the biggest one or a major contributing factor, sleep deprivation. Deprivation. Ooh. Ooh. How many of us oh, our, actually how many get on a daily sleep hygiene is something we are. We definitely get sleep proper. Wait, you took us to another level. Sleep <laughs> hygiene. <laughs> so, sleep hygiene is, you know, but everything that's got to do with sleep, your sleep routine, the environment in which you sleep, etc., yeah. etc. Et the habits so, that you, you, it's actually a ritual to prepare for sleep. Absolutely. Oh, it's okay. one of the first things that I tell so, my patients. What yeah. I need to adopt. Besides, a uh, skincare routine is also a good sleep. 100%, yeah. babes. Like and they go together. So, okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> the easiest to think about it. Every morning when you wake up, mm-hmm. you do the same stuff. Yes. Okay. Every night before you go to bed, you should do the same stuff. Mm. That is a sleep routine. Whether mm. it's 4 o'clock in the morning after a party or 7 o'clock at night time on a cold winter's evening. Yeah. You put the cat out, you go and take your glass of milk, you remember to take your tablet, then you go brush your teeth, you find the cat again, um, you know, <laughs> you, you bring the, the cat in, etc., 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 and then you get into bed. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk we'll about do that. that. Yeah. So sleep is incredibly important because it can, ma- a lack of sleep mm. makes the brain Tired. Mm. Like a muscle, mm. the brain gets tired. And the reason, I think a nice way to explain why that is to people is when you're sleeping at night, it's like your office assistant or your PA saying, okay, Mark's left. There's a whole bunch of papers, you know, on the reception desk. Now they have to And work. I'm going to take those papers and start filing them in a cabinet under the right keywords. So, and that's important because those sleep cycles, those two things have to happen. It's not just filing away because can you imagine how frustrating it would be if you file away Justin J anyway, 
right? When you want to re- when you want to retrieve the information, when you want to recall the word, when you want to remember the address, you can't find it. So those two things are important. The brain needs to file away those pieces of information from the day, from the week, in the right order, in the right sequence, with the right keywords in the brain. And um, Yvonne has a great word that she always uses. She calls it pruning. Yes. Because yes, the yeah. brain prunes as well. Mm. It gets rid of information that you do not need. It will prune anything if it hasn't been done repetitively. Mm. Okay. That's why you don't so, use it. You, yeah. The next one, you mentioned stress. Yes. So let's quickly talk about stress. Stress leads to poor quality sleep. Mm-hmm. Stress leads to, Stacey, an increase in stress hormones, hormones yeah. cortisol, yeah. insulin. Yeah. And those in itself can cause gut problems. Yeah. Think about people that complain it's when they're stressed or when they're in a stressful situation, they start having tummy issues, uh, tummy issues that they, you know, oh, my ulcer is playing up. Yeah. Why? Because it's the stress hormones that's triggering an increase in the production of acid in the stomach. Yes. So suddenly we change the environment. Yeah. Think of what we do when we get a cold snap. All of us bitch and moan, oh my <laughs> God, it's freezing. Yeah. So the organisms that live in your gut, mm. the moment that there's an increased amount of um, acid and the pH in your gut change, it's like the gut organism. Suddenly, this is not the environment in which I'm comfortable with, yeah. and it plays up. Which is uh, why when you, when, you may, when you do something that's good, for example, you start healing your gut, you have the period of time where you feel absolutely crap. Because it's the same type of thing. We're changing that internal environment and Mm -hmm. those microorganisms are like, what are you doing? But I think an important part of stress and especially with the hormones, cortisol being um, secreted and even insulin, for example, is, you know, that old fight or flight um, or the traditional model of fight or flight, right, is that your body, if it was going to face a tiger or run away from the tiger or the lion, where do you think it needs blood in your muscles, So it shunts blood flow away from the digestive system, which means there's less nutrients going into that part of the body, less nutrients are being absorbed. And and less nutrients that you can actually then put into the fight and flight. So uh, that that model has changed slightly. Slightly, I know, um, yeah. To fight, flight, freeze. Yes. Think about it. Yes. You know, if there's something that's chasing you, Oh, like you, a dog that's done that before and all I no. had to do was run. Are we talking about that? But, and then you freeze. Instead of run and instead you, of facing you the can, dog. You can do three things. You can fight it mm. and then eventually you see, okay, fine, this is more powerful than me. And now your next response is going to be, okay, let's run away. Mm. But eventually you're going to get tired. Mm. What would be your next response be? Freeze. Let's hope if I do not move, Mm. it will not see me. And what's interesting is that those who have created an adaptive system could choose to freeze immediately, not fight, not flight. Mm. But that comes. That's what rats do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Think about it. And we it's use them in studies. Uh, you know what? <laughs> don't and respond like humans. Or fucking mosquitoes. <laughs> oh, they're the worst. <laughs> they're the worst. They, no, they guys, can, flies in Johannesburg are, in summer are the worst. They can disappear by just 
So no, I'm okay. with you. But it's to it's to sort of paint that picture that when we're stressed out. Blood flow and therefore absorption of nutrients isn't where we want it to be optimally. So you have to find a way to start managing your, your stress because stress is perceived stress. Your brain and your body doesn't know the difference between death and an email from your boss or a colleague that you absolutely hate. Oh, I can just hear Yvonne go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, it, it creates the same chemical reaction and that's why becoming more resilient must be something okay. that you have to work on. So we, we're, we're fast running out of time. I, I can't believe that this has gone so fast. But so this... Two other causes that I want to touch on And then we're coming to the diet part Yes, okay So physical inactivity Yeah Physical inactivity causes brain fog So this would be like you're not working out Yeah, you've been sedentary for a while If you're not active, the brain slows down And this can lead to symptoms associated with brain fog Inability to focus Mm. Poor concentration Headaches, Hmm. forgetfulness, anxiety, confusion, depression, low energy, sleep disturbances. Hmm. One that's very big and that presents in our practice on a continuous basis is hormone dysregulation. Yeah. So if we think about the major hormones, if I say hormones, Simpiwi, what do you think about? Oh, my my moods. Which hormones like, do think, you think about? Oof, that that's a good question. <laughs> Estrogen is usually Estrogen, one that comes up yeah. first for women. Progesterone yeah. for women because these are things that they know about. Yeah. Testosterone. testosterone. Mm-hmm. So does that change then? Like when absolutely. Okay. Yeah. As we yeah. as we as women go through their menstrual cycle or as women go through um Pregnancy. Have you ever heard of pregnancy brain? Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to ask. Preggy brain, yeah. Does that have like, um, does that link to with the brain, brain fog? Yes, yes, definitely. absolutely. Definitely. W- women who are going through pregnancy have a higher level of estrogen and progesterone, which will lead to um, an inability to remember things somewhat. Um, it decreases their ability to multitask and to focus and remember things. So is that by virtue of just having elevated estrogen and progesterone or is the elevated hormone profile leading to something else, for example, poor absorption or... Absolutely. Okay. Okay. It leads to that, but it also leads to, and this is what we deal with in, in the T clinic a yep. lot, an imbalance in the hormone systems. Mm. So mm. it's interesting that um, estrogen is found, or estrogen receptors are found in high concentrations in areas of the brain that's... Um, related to the formation of memory and learning. Ah. Testosterone, on the other hand, a lot of its receptors mm. are found in the areas that is responsible for increasing dopamine levels. So if there's an imbalance between testosterone and Estrogen. Mm. Not only do you find as estrogen starts dropping that I'm not remembering as well as I should. I can't recall. It's more difficult for me to learn. And a lot of times people see that as brain fog. But you know what? It's 
associated with depression and anxiety. Mm. Testosterone, on the other hand, through its role that it has to play on another neurotransmitter or chemical messenger, dopamine Mm. in the brain, where dopamine helps with the communication Mm. between individual nerves Mm. and then through the pathways in the brain between different structures and different organs to the brain. Mm. And I think this, this, this relationship between testosterone and dopamine might like ring a bell for some people in that we hear that dopamine is a feel good receptor and it's more the motivating receptor. It's a more motivating, it's a motivating reward behavior. And it creates repetitive behavior. So when you've got that brain fog, and you know you've got that brain fog, but you just don't know how to get yourself out of it, nor are you motivated to get yourself out of it. Testosterone. Yeah. Because I think that's an important thing. Sometimes people are aware, but it's like, well, how do I pull myself out of this hole? So the biggest thing that my patients give me after two or three weeks, women especially, Mm. um, I remember better. I have less mood swings. Guys, I'm more motivated. I'm driven. Oh, bring it on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but energy levels increase. Now, it's very interesting that with all our sex hormones, Testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, all of them are metabolized in the gut. Yeah. All of them have direct connections through the vagal nerve and this 1.2 to 2.3 kilogram microorganism mm. organ to the brain. Mm. The metabolites of your sex hormones, being it estrone, estradiol, or estriol, DHT from testosterone, have active effects not only on the gut through neurotransmitters and on the organisms that live in the gut, mm. but directly back to the brain. This and these brings organisms us produce their own hormone-like absolutely, substances, which absolutely. can cause further disruption as well. Absolutely. Yeah. They non-vasoactive, psychoactive uh, neurotransmitters. There's a word for you. Repeat Try and say that fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Simpiwe, yes. what is the brain predominantly made of? Oh, you see now, putting me on the spot. Uh, yeah, because this is something that people don't know. So it's you something. Fats, you have proteins. What do you think is the major? You have carbohydrates. Um, let's go with protein. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> and this was and it's not this a bad for me. first guess because I know why you're doing it as a structural component. You would we think, think proteins. Yeah. Okay. The major, the major component of the brain. Sixty percent of your brain is made of fat. Okay. That's a plot twist. <laughs> so and now, brain. now, and this is where the diet becomes so incredibly important. People go on to low-fat diets. Yep. What you are doing is you are starving your brain, and your brain starts to digest itself. And the brain is a very, very energy-hungry organ. 
it takes precedence. So now we have mm. Stacy. Uh, I'm I'm going to be slaughtered for this mm. because people think that intermittent fasting is great for them. Mm. It's the worst thing that you can do for your brain. There's many, many, many people. In fact, I'm seeing more people that should not be fasting. Also, because most people don't know how to break a fast and how to go into a fast. So there's, you know, if you look at ketogenic and low carb diets, there's an element of fasting that's definitely regenerative because then you start producing what are known as ketones and ketones is the best form for of brain, energy yes. for the brain. But it's a structured way of doing it. And what people think Bloody they're difficult. doing in, in doing intermittent fasting is just starving themselves and depleting their body of essential so, nutrients. Because so <laughs> I've been one of those girls that even have the app, right? <laughs> Where, you know, you, you do, you pick like the 16 hour of I'm not eating from this time to this yes. time. And then after this time, I'm definitely indulging in like maybe that, that meal that, yeah. you know, yeah. I've really looked at the, the pizza <laughs> laden with everything else. Yeah. Yes. So you tell me that's wrong. Um, most times, yes. Okay. Most times it's actually what it's doing. I'm seeing is it's damaging people's metabolisms. It's like Mark mentioned, you're not providing adequate amount of nutrients to feed the brain. So your brain, and we've discussed this a little bit earlier, is most active. Actually, guys, listen to this because uh, you don't know this. The brain is most active at night while you are sleeping. Mm. So... I tell my patients that wake up at 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning and can't go back to sleep or battle to go back to sleep. Mm. The first thing I ask them is, what time did you eat? 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. Okay, 2 o'clock in the morning. So 6 or 7 hours have gone. Think about this. If you are active at gym, mm. what's the first thing after gym that you want? You want sustenance. Mm. Okay, so now you're starving your brain of healthy fats and Stacy will go into the healthy fats and now the brain wakes up and it sounds alarms and say My, I'm working but I'm running out of energy I will have to shut down mm. so it's waking you up in an in a fight flight reaction I need energy otherwise I can't do my work that's that's like a very interesting way to to explain it because I think there's times where most people wake up in the middle of the night and they're like, oh, there's something on my mind. Like, yeah, yeah, I, yes, yeah. The work. brain was active. Yeah. Never think of food. It's always yeah. like it's, a, I didn't send that email. Or I didn't so, do that. Or, yeah. You know what? Let me catch up on my Netflix and and watch. Oh, something. and that's the worst thing to do. <laughs> so worst. what so what I tell my patients and guys try this hmm. before you go to bed. I told you, put the cat out, but eat something. And one of my favorite recommendations is good quality yogurt. And we can do an entire podcast on what good quality food actually is. I, I actually tell my patients, eat a piece of cheese. Oh, cheese. That's good. Yeah. And Because and it's got healthy fats. It's got carbohydrates. It's got protein. And if it's but the right cheese, we, it's got probiotics in yes, it as well. And what we actually need is fat. Mm. So... You know what? If you're on a low-fat diet, Dante, listen carefully. Um, if you're on a low-fat diet, you are not feeding your brain 
adequately. So, Stacey, yeah. let's quickly go into Nutrition. the healthy fats. Yeah. Okay. So, um, we definitely don't want anything that is processed, anything that is, um, stable at room temperature, like, or that was meant to be stable. And then, okay, actually, let me, let me step back. Seed oils, canola. Horrible. Horrible. Uh, even grapeseed. Um, olive oil is amazing. Do not cook with olive oil, people. Drizzle it over your food. Uh, lots and lots and lots. If you, if you have cravings, if yes. you get hungry. Yes. Um, Olive Be liberal oil. with your olive oil. It's excellent. It's very healthy. Health. And Coconut grateful. oil is excellent as well. Avocados. Avocados are amazing. Um, your sources of dairy you want to buy from farmers that treat their animals properly and, and then also ferment their cheeses and their dairy properly. So something like kefir is amazing, um, which is a fermented milk using but kefir. That's like mass. Um, yes. Um, yes. Or machal. Yes. Mass is amazing, but don't. Can I, can I teach you how to pronounce that properly? Amas. Amas. There we go. So, <laughs> so amas is amazing. Um, the only thing that I would recommend is if you have a granny or a grandfather that can tr- teach you the traditional way of making it. What we buy in our stores is commercially made and it's got things like fillers, emulsifiers, plant stabilizers, things like that that are not great for the gut. Um, so in your bone broth, you will have great amount of fats in there. Excellent so I, I can quickly tell you bone broth. Guys, this yeah. is very easy for someone who Mark can't recipe is cook. Good. Yeah, it's just simple. Um, you take, instead of your recipe, you take, <laughs> you take a chicken, not any chicken. Okay. Um, at, uh, preferably, and I'm going to be slaughtered for this again, not free range. <laughs> okay. Oh, we, we, we gotta get a farmer. This is such a fascinating thing for me because these things change all the time. Yes, you're right. We get confused because yes. one minute we should have free range. What we're looking for is what the, the chicken is fed. So no, um, no antibiotics. Grains, no antibiotics. But Mark just, you know, you know, informed me on something that's really interesting around free range. Um, in South Africa, yeah. I'm assuming. So, um, you want to get a chicken. You want to take that whole chicken, put it in a big pot. You cut up three carrots. Uh, two onions, throw in a couple of cloves of garlic, some um, celery, some celery uh, a little bit of salt, a little bit of pepper, put the lid on, put it on the stove, forget about it for four hours and low heat, simmering, low yep. heat. It's just a, ro- it's not a rolling boil. Mm. It's literal, um, slow cooking, slow yeah. cooking. It. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know what? You take that broth, you strain that fluid, it. Yeah. Put it through a, a, a strainer and it's bloody delicious. And you just drink on that throughout the day, like a mug of that a couple of times throughout the day. You can use the meat to make a nice base for a soup. You could even use the stock and the meat yeah, as a what's base Stephen, for a soup. What Stefan does for us is he, he flakes the chicken up mm-hmm. um, and we put some mushrooms with that yes. and oh, we have it with some um, slaw in a cauliflower or a zucchini. Yes. I, I've never had the zucchini wraps. They're bloody nice. They're lovely, yeah. So yeah. a zucchini wrap and it's a delicious Delicious meal So out of everything We've said Besides the fats Because I know People get confused About that as well um, The broth Is going to be The most healing thing For you If you've got 
um, digestive issues. If you're vegan, it is a little bit more challenging, obviously. But can't you use something like miso? Miso, you could use miso and some form of algae um, or algae-derived products. Certain vegans are okay with that. Other vegans How aren't. How about mushrooms? Uh, yeah, mushrooms are great. Um, so you just don't you get do, the you same basically do a, 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 a vegetable broth. broth. Yes. Just yes. boil your vegetables. And my favorite there would be shiitake mushrooms. Mm. Yeah. But yes. Shiitake mushrooms. Yeah. <laughs> What a way to end off the show. <laughs> okay. So, um, if you want to know more about gut issues, Stacy is our gut coach at Fatigue Clinic for things like brain fog, memory loss, fatigue, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, hormone IBS, imbalances. IBD, um, yeah. you know what? Contact us. You mm. can find us online, www.tclinic.com. And our number in Johannesburg is 10 Alice is very patient and she'll handle all She's your lovely. calls. Okie <laughs> dokes, guys. This is the end of the show. Um, next week, I think we'll um, talk a little bit about sleep. Sleep, yeah. That's oh, a big and one. And sleep hygiene, right? Yes, and sleep definitely. hygiene. That's all We're you want to know. Eh? how to cool down her room. And Lovely. you know what? Yes. Red light is not only for Woo. hookers. It's great in the bedroom for sleep. It's excellent. <laughs> Have a good day, everyone. Cheers, guys. Medical Lifestyle Show.